Friends, welcome to the Slaking Thirst podcast, where you'll find the homilies, talks, and reflections of Father Ryan Mann and Father Patrick Schultz of the Diocese of Cleveland. Slaking Thirst is all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, which is also a divine heart, seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts will meet and both thirsts will be slaked. Thanks for joining us on the journey into Christ's desire for us. Well, it's great to see everyone here, and this is what's called the birthday of the church, Pentecost. It's where the church was born. What we had before this day was people following Jesus. God had invaded earth through Jesus, and he was now here with us, but that's not what it means to be a church. To be church isn't just simply that you follow and imitate Jesus. People follow and imitated Socrates. People, there's Abraham Lincoln societies where they gather and remember his teachings and they put the hat on and everything. That's not what we do as church. To be church actually means we have been transformed and conformed to Jesus. We share in his humanity and divinity, that our humanity now is the vessel of God in the world. Your story, your interactions, your thoughts and desires and choices, that is either Christ because of the Holy Spirit, or we're blocking the outpouring of the Father's love. But we have that dignity now. Because of baptism and confirmation, the Holy Spirit is poured into us. And as St. Paul says, did you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? What he means is, did you not know that you are a theotokos in Greek, meaning a God-bearer? You bear him into the world and into your marriages and your schools and your weekend activities. Or, if we're honest, sometimes we don't. But God is being offered to us in that way. So I want to kind of spend a little bit of time with one aspect of the Holy Spirit. This week as I was praying with the gospel, what really struck me was the Jews were scary to the apostles. The apostles and the Jewish people at that time were in conflict. And this conflict had the apostles so afraid that they didn't even want to engage with the conflict and the division and the separation. And so it says they were behind locked doors out of fear. Now, I don't think anyone here has been immune in the last year from conflict. Whether it's your home, your workplace, your extended family, friends, social media, whatever it may be, oftentimes if there's conflict, what we want to do is wall it off with locked doors out of fear that it's going to be so deconstructive and destructive in our lives. And so we keep that door locked and we kind of end up withdrawing and isolating just like the apostles, withdrawing and isolating behind locked doors. It was through these apostles 
that the Father's kingdom was meant to invade the world. All of the world was their arena to proclaim the good news and to make miracles happen in this world, to bring about the restoration of God's plan. And here they were locked up in a little room. I think this is kind of all of us when we're so afraid of conflict, we get locked up. And the grandeur and greatness of who God's called us to be in the world, we aren't stepping into our glory. We're withdrawing into safe places. And so while they're locked up and safe and out of fear of conflict, there's Jesus. As only Jesus could do. I love Jesus' style. He doesn't say, well, when you're ready, I'll be on the outside. You just let me know. No, no, no. He goes right at them in their fear. He, in fact, steps closer. By the way, locked doors ain't a big deal for Jesus. He comes right in. This is the conqueror of the grave. This is the one who puts funeral homes out of business, right? Jesus comes out of the grave, and he's now walking right into their fear, right into their isolation, right into their lack of a game plan, really, but their game plan was, let's just not have conflict. He walks right into it, addresses it head on, not in an arrogant, aggressive way, and not permissive as a doormat, but candidly, and says, peace. And then he breathes the Holy Spirit on them. And what we see is the Holy Spirit's effect in these people who were struck and beaten down and withdrawn out of fear. They now go out to the whole known world proclaiming Jesus. We will see, as we've seen over the Easter season, they go right up to the Jewish leaders now. The very ones they were afraid of conflict with, they now are just like Jesus. Jesus walked into their fear. They now are walking right in to the face of those who put Jesus to death. And we have St. Peter preaching, hey, the Jesus you put to death, God raised him and we saw him. That is one heaven of a transformation. Get it? Nice. Okay. (laughs) Stay with me. It's subtle. Okay, there you go. Scared, withdrawn, avoidant. Now, engaging, transforming. They are now breathing fire of God's love into the world. They are now inviting others to repent, change your ways, and let's join the kingdom of our heavenly father. That transformation was not a democratic process. That transformation was not really disciplined efforts. I did all my religious practices perfectly, and the result, like a vending machine, I put in my religious practices, and what kicked out was the Holy Spirit. No, it was the gift from the Father and the Son. Pure gift. And that gift is being given intentionally now through the church to all of us in the sacraments. It's important to recognize, though, a distinction. 
They are not engaging the Jews out of their own brokenness or arrogance. It's not like all of a sudden they're going to engage in conflict in a destructive way. You hurt us, we're now going to hurt you. Or I'm going to show you, we win. We know the right argument. We're going to win. No, that's our insecurities coming out on other people. They engaged them with freedom. They didn't have to win. Their identity and value wasn't based upon their people who were there in conflict with agreeing with them. They were free. They knew they were loved and forgiven by the Father for abandoning Jesus. And now they were given the gift to bring that forgiving, loving presence into the world. And so they just simply offered to those they were in conflict with reconciliation, repentance, healing of their divisions. They weren't doing it out of, well, I, you know, I met Jesus and you didn't, so look how good I am. Nope. Freely, confident from God. When I work with people, oftentimes when they share with me in the confessional or in other settings, they'll say something and they end up saying this, I just need more courage, Father. If I was just more courageous, I could talk to that person. Or they'll say something, I just need more trust, you know, that God will provide. Because they usually have some sort of fear, fear of a relationship, fear of something happening. And like the apostles, they're now withdrawn in their fear rather than filling all of creation with glory. And so they're forfeiting their greatness out of fear because that's what fear does. It makes us shrink. And I remember at one point in my own journey discovering a line in Scripture that changed everything. It's one of the letters in the back of the New Testament. It says, perfect love drives out all fear. Not courage, not trust, not willpower, not a book, not a website, not a podcast. Perfect love, i.e. God. Only God has perfect love. And in the Trinity, St. Augustine says, God the Father is the lover, God the Son is the beloved, and the Holy Spirit is love itself, the love they share. So if perfect love casts out all fear, it means the Holy Spirit is the one who casts fear out of our lives so that we can live in the freedom of God's sons and daughters. I don't know if you've ever met a truly free person, but they are wildly attractive and immensely scary all at once. When so, someone no longer sincerely cares if you like or don't like them, but they use that freedom out of being good to you still because they just simply want to honor God, it's mesmerizing. I know of a nun, her name is Sister Miriam Heidland from the Salt community. She's based in Texas, but she travels all over the country doing healing retreats. Her and I are good friends and she's one of the only people I know who, in conversation with people, will kind of step right into their fears with no problem. And when you're in a social setting, you're like, whoa, hey, there's mores, you know? 
But I remember spending some time with her, and we were out, and we were, I think I took her to the art museum here in Cleveland, and we were getting coffee, and someone came up, and, oh, Sister Father, how are you? We are talking, and uh, uh, they said, please pr- pray for my son. He, you know, I think he's a drug addict is what they said. And, and she goes, oh, that's so hard, I know. She goes, you know, how is it for you? Not, oh, we'd be glad to pray, and then back to our coffee. I tried that because I wanted to have coffee. She, <laughs> she, she went right at it. He's like, well, you know, it's really tough for your mom. Yeah, I imagine it's tough. Do you, do you struggle with just wanting to write him off and then also wanting to save him and can't, and how's that for you? I mean, she was not, there was, this person was not able to play it safe. She just was stepping right into their fears, right into their insecurities, right where in their life they had withdrawn she was going right at them, not to win, not to win, and not to placate and say, you're fine the way you are. No, no, no. She was alive with the Holy Spirit, and she was going right at this person to say, there's freedom in Christ, and I want you to have it, and so we're not going to play games anymore. What we do today is celebrate Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit has been unleashed in this world, not a world 2,000 years ago, this same world. Let me tell you about the world 2,000 years ago. There was political corruption and confusion and division. There was scandal in the church. After all, the first bishops had abandoned Jesus, lied about him, hid. There was divorce and infidelities. There was war. There was financial corruption. And it was in that world that the Holy Spirit was given. Not like gravity as a brute fact but as a personal reality, calling us by name, entering into our stories and our situation, and so often we never even talk to the Holy Spirit. God, Jesus, but the Holy Spirit is really the transforming power at our side. And so the three-word prayer for 2,000 years that has worked and continues to work, come Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come upon us. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us. Come, Holy Spirit, transform us. But quite literally, for God's sake, come, Holy Spirit, and remove our fear that we can be alive and show a world that's full of division the reconciling power of God.